The gods of transianity are insatiable. They demand total obedience and total submission. If you fail to bow down and offer a pinch of rainbow incense upon the altar of Caesaret, you will be canceled, censored, and thanks to Bill C-4, incarcerated. You see, Wokies are both theonomists and religious nationalists. We'll look into one such instance where someone dared to say something against the prevailing narrative and was punished for it, proving yet again that no group is more uniform, exclusive, and inequitable than the woke mob. We also got to chat with Pastor Nate Wright, the Canadian director for the Ezra Institute. Hopefully that discussion can encourage you to a greater faithfulness and embolden you to pursue a costly obedience. I'm in 1 Peter for my daily Bible reading right now, and this morning I read this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Don't ever give up, dear Christian. Don't ever grow weary of doing good and proclaiming the truth. It's November 9th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is Liberty Dispatch. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. We're so thankful that you have joined us yet again on the program. And we just want to remind you, as every program, um, our our episodes are brought to you through the partnership of Liberty Coalition Canada and A Christian Week, which is, wow, my brain just stopped working there. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm going to just start that from the top. Did you get bit by a spider? I might have. I might have. And it didn't give me super spidey senses. Apparently, it made my brain stop working. Okay. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcast across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. We're so thankful that you've joined us yet again on the program. As always, our shows are produced in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week. LCC exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand there for. And Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hopeful perspective on national and global issues. If you want to support our work, head over 
to libertycoalitioncanada.com. Beautiful new website over there. Go check it out. Uh, nice new front page and everything. And we would suggest that while you're over there, sign up for the email list. And if you would prayerfully consider leaving a donation, uh, you can leave a tax refundable donation if you click on the analysis and shows tab and help support our programming here with Liberty Coalition Canada. So you can either scan that helpful QR code or go to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate to do just that. Reminder, all our shows are over at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, the FLFnetwork.com. Go check that out. You will not be disappointed. Um, It's a great new... um, They got some great things going on there. They have a great new app called Pub TV. You can get our shows as well as all the uh, FLF Canada shows, which includes our friends over at the Ezra Institute and their podcast. There's so much to like about the app that we would suggest you go over there. And I've been posting our stuff um, over at the FLF uh, network earlier than you get it uh, on other sites like Rumble and your uh, podcast feed. So if you want to head over there, you can get early access to kind of what we're putting out each week so suggest that you do that um and also uh as as always reach out to us directly with comments questions concerns for our mailbag uh which is mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com and andrew what do we have uh, by way of uh, question for today before we get into the podcast so we're not going to be covering this story today because it's still too developing and I don't want to be guilty of jumping on something too soon without enough time to verify. Mm-hmm. But if anyone has been paying attention, Steven Crowder says that he has obtained several screenshots of the manifesto from the evil trans-confused woman who killed six adults and six children in Covenant School in Nashville. Mm-hmm several months ago and he has released three of the pictures for everyone to see and so we're like i said we're waiting we need some verification we need a little more info to come out but if you've heard about that i'd love to hear your thoughts reach out to us mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com what do you think do you think it's legit Mm -hmm. do you think it's not if it is what can we do you know what do you think we can deduce from the manifesto in terms of motive and intent reach out to us interact with us We also want to draw everyone's attention to the fact that we're only two months away from the new year. Believe it or not. (laughs) With it comes another Biblical Sexuality Sunday. So our plan is to have faithful men across the country preach a message extolling God's gracious design for marriage and sexuality and the hope that we have that God can transform even the worst sexual sinners. So what you can do is you can head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash biblical dash sexuality dash Sunday for more information. You can talk about, you'll see there why we're doing this initiative, what the, the, the reasoning behind it is. So the date right now is Sunday, January 14th, 2024. We hope you'll join us. You can reach out to me churches at Liberty coalition, Canada.com with any questions, any concerns, any feedback, any clarification, On the website, there's also a form that you can fill out. And I want to be clear, that's not to be filled out ahead of time. After you, Lord willing, join us in preaching a message on a biblical sexual ethic, you go to the form on our website, and there you can submit your information. You can let us know your name. You can send us a link to the sermon, a link to your church website. 
This database is totally private. It's not something we advertise publicly. We don't make it publicly available. It's for us to have so that we can follow up, so that we can track with guys year over year. And if you're worried about information leaking, all you have to know is that the people who are in charge of our website have their own private servers. It is totally secure. So you don't have to be afraid about, you know, posting your your sermon link or your your church website link. So Biblical mm-hmm. Sexuality Sunday, Sunday, January 14th, 2024. It's coming up. Check out more information from our website. You know, friends, with interest rates and inflation on the rise, now is the time to make sure your money is working for you. Don't lock your money in GICs and don't give it to woke mutual fund companies to weaponize against your values. Call our friends at Rocklink and let them show you how to get your money working for you while making sure that the businesses you invest in aren't working against you. Call Rocklink at 905-631-5462. You can send them an email, info at rocklink.com. That's link with a C. Hey, Matt. Um, yeah. Do you um do you know do you know for what the month of November is a cause of celebration? Do you know what's hmm. so special about them? Now you might be thinking Remembrance Day, um, but yeah, well, but, certainly. But no, yeah, but 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 no, because that's about patriarchy and post-colonialism. Even okay. though finally they had to backtrack on the no prayers for Remembrance Day, but it really, it's, it, and that's just one day. Mm-hmm. So that's not what November is about. No, no, no. November is International Trans Awareness Month. Oh, thank you, and, Andrew. I'm yeah, feeling very much more informed now that you've I'm, told me that. I'm I'm glad. And Canada <laughs> is all in. That's right. Obviously. They get, they get an entire month to celebrate sodomy and sexual deviancy. See, apparently June isn't enough, right? They, they One week isn't enough. One month isn't enough. And the reason, and this, we're trying to help Canadians see the religious underpinnings and the religious spiritual reality of these movements. The false gods demand total worship. That's why. It's not enough. A day's not enough. They need your entire life as an act of worship and submission to them. And in a stunning slap in the face, as if it wasn't enough to claim the entire month of November, November actually has a second Remembrance Day. It's the transgender day of remembrance celebrated on November 20th. That's, 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 I mean, that's maddening. That is unbelievably despicable. Next week, in case you're wondering, is Trans Awareness Week, as if we weren't already well aware of gross evil men pretending to be women and godless doctors cutting off the body parts of children. We need a whole week to be aware of what's happening in all things trans. So the York Region District School Board is fully on board. Yet another reason, by the way, to remove your kids from state-funded school, like months ago, not tomorrow, like last year, there's another reason why, and save their souls from untethered corruption. So this is a picture of what the York Region District School Board tweeted, and they are calling it the Solidarity Week, that we are in solid, and this it's the Trans Week of Awareness. It is Solidarity Week. This is what we, so behold, your school board's, and as we'll see in a bit, your city councils have totally sold out to the gods of transianity. And uh, a day is not enough. A month is not enough. They need your entire life as an act of worship, which is, again, it's blasphemous because only the Lord Jesus Christ gets to demand all of life as an act of worship to him. 
And we've we've talked about the fact that these are new high holy days that reflect that new religious grand motive of our society, and that this new religion is woven into every single one of the institutions that we have as Canadian citizens. So if you're for the separation of church and state, <laughs> then y- y- you probably should be against the, the total ca- capture of every institution in Canadian mm-hmm. society by this new cult religion. Um, and I'll link it in the description below, Andrew, but you sent in the the dispatch production chat um, a link to Seattle and kind of their new pride holiday calendar. And interestingly enough, it spans the entire year. There is not one single month where there's not a high holy day to the gods of sexual liberation, um, which we know are just demons. And in fact, we were celebrating because I think we went through something like that in Canada and we saw, hey, the only two months that they didn't have something happened to be our birth months. But I noticed in the Seattle one, they've added a new day on August 13th. Apparently it's Gay Uncle Day. So that's mm. weird. <laughs> that's- I kind of, well, not only is it weird, but generally speaking, when I when I think about gay uncle, mm-hmm. I think about all sorts of unsavory things that yeah. the gay uncle, like that's not something to be celebrated. No. That's, that's like exceedingly the, the gross. creepy, disturbing uncle yeah. that nobody like that. Everybody's like, Oh, that's just uncle Ted over there being a, but the goal, Matt, pedo. we know this. The goal, the goal <laughs> is that the goal is the normalization of all, all deviancy and saying nothing's off the table. Everything's fair game. Everything is acceptable. If you were made this way, do it. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's the, that's, that's, that's the vein that gets to all of the craziness that we see. Totally at at the root of original sin. And what, what does all this madness lead to? Well, obviously it leads to people living out this insane worldview. And that leads to a 50 year old man, a male professor pretending to be a woman competing in get this not his age group but in a teen girls swim race that's real turns out the slippery slope as we've talked about is as real as this man's mental illness this story comes to us from the post millennial A Canadian swimming competition allowed a trans-identified 50-year-old biological male to compete against teenage girls over the past weekend in Toronto. Nicholas J. Capeda, also known as Melody Melody Wiseheart, pardon me, competed against girls aged 13 and 14 in the Richmond Hill Aquatic Center's Fall Classic Swimming competition at Markham Pan Am Center on October the 20th. Cepeda is a member of the Orangeville Otter Swim Club. While the Pan Am Center initially denied the 50-year-old man uh, from competing against teenage girls, documents obtained by the outlet reveal otherwise. 
So according to the competition schedule, Cepeda competed under the name Melody Weishart in the Heat 3 race, which lists Weishart's age as 50, while the rest of the competitors are listed between the ages of 13 and 14. Nicholas Cepeda, or Melody Weishart, as he delusionally wants to be called, is a professor at York University in Toronto and teaches behavioral science in in the psychology department. My word. His research focuses on children and youth, according to the university's website. Cepeda notably placed last when he was up against 15 and 17-year-olds. So this creeper has done this before, and apparently he's going around trying to find an age group of girls that he can swim against to have Uh success. And apparently 15 and 17 weren't young enough that he had to go to the 13 and 14 age bracket. What an absolute creep. And this guy works for York University in the psychology department. He should... He's a psycho who should be in a, in an insane asylum, not working at a top university. Yeah, and I mean, why can't you be trans? Why can't you be trans age if you're transgender? Oh well, certainly, certainly, and that's I, I mean, transracial, trans age. Why can't you be these things? Exactly, that's where it goes. Yeah, no, exactly. This total uh, constructivistic mindset uh, has no endpoint, right? That's why uh, it's not actually appropriate to call it a slippery slope argument. It's just extending the argument to its logical conclusion, which is, uh, you know, an appropriate abductio ad absurdum. So anyways, I want to offer, offer, well, I want to offer a little bit of perspective here because people can fall in a trap. Mm-hmm. that I think the Wokies would want us to fall into. So here, here's mm-hmm. the trap. The trap is the only reason why we are opposed to men competing in women's sports is because of the unfair biological advantage mm-hmm. taking away from women their scholarships and their victories. And if we only live on that, if we only play in that field, then when the guy finishes last, what, do the peop- what, what does the left say? You see, it doesn't matter that he's a man. It doesn't yeah. matter. There is no unfair advantage. And so we we need to get off that battleground. The battleground mm. for us is not the the men have unfair advantage, which they do. The mm. battleground is not because of physicality they can be more dominant, which they can be. Mm. The battleground is this. It doesn't matter whether he placed first or 50th. What matters is he's a 50-year-old man swimming with teenage girls, and yeah. he also is a, he's a professor of psychology whose work focuses on children and youth like th- this, this look, this, this is not a good look mm-hmm. and we, we need to speak against it because this man has no business being around teenage girls or yeah. really any children for that matter. Yeah. So we need to speak against it because yeah, it's our... evil, not because he's going to dominate. We can't, mm-hmm. we can't get sucked into that argument. That's, that's we can't be pragmatists, point. right? That's yeah. what you're saying. We can't just look at the outcome and say, well, look, this is unfair. No, we have to be principled again, mm-hmm. and we have to stand on metaphysics, on ontology, on God's created order, on the way that things ought to operate according to God's good created norms. That has to be the ground of our argument. And oftentimes, for pragmatism, the left gets conservatives to leave the appropriate 
foundation of the argument to adopt pragmatic principles to try and appear winsome, right? How many yep. times do conservatives say, well, we don't want to talk about metaphysics and ontology and we don't want to bring God into the conversation and say, this goes against God's created norms because that might alienate people. Uh, but that has caused us to actually give up the foundation for the argument. And they yep. have taken that ground every single time when we do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to be principled and make a moral argument, not one from the women lose their championships, but one from he's an he's an adult man, has no business swimming with teenage girls. That's evil. It's mm -hmm. evil. It's contra design. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I bet I bet you are growing more and more frustrated and concerned with the fiat money system here in Canada. I'm sure you're hoping for some real options, a solution that works for you and values your liberty and security. Well, barter it is here for you. It's a modern barter economy for freedom-loving Canadians to transact and exchange value without having to use fiat currency. Imagine Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, and eBay all wrapped into one economic ecosystem. Simple. You offer your goods and services in exchange for bits credits, and you use those bits to acquire other goods and services in the community. It's a parallel economy. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter today and click on the barter it for individuals. Make sure you sign up as a VIP before the official launch. You will get a lifetime subscription, free premium listings, and 1,000 bits to spend in the system. That's $1,500 worth of value for $197. libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter. Now, Matt, what's... What's just as scary or just as concerning as the last story is what happens to people who speak out against the insanity. Mm -hmm. right? There are people who are speaking out against the trans cult and they're being punished for it. Enter mm -hmm. Lisa Lynn Robinson. She's a Pickering City Councillor who had her pay suspended for 60 days because an integrity commissar found her to have breached the council's code of conduct, of course. We talked about this as well, these integrity commissioners and the mm -hmm. unruly power they wield. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the integrity commissioner in a little bit, a little bit more. But for now, what we wanted to show you is a portion of the council meeting that happened on October twenty third, where Councillor Robinson had an opportunity to speak to the issue of her being or of her having her pay suspended for sixty days. Could I have a moment of personal privilege, Mr. Mayor? Absolutely. There. Motions of privilege are always in order. Perfect. So I don't think that this is very fair, um, where you are now disallowing me to ask questions that I am pulling from the integrity report, because everything I've mentioned so far is in the integrity report. And this does have to do with my livelihood. I mean, this is going to be 90 days that I will not be being paid. Um, and I think it's absolutely wrong. And I mean, I will get to my to my speech, but to sit here and now further my point that I am being silenced and not being allowed to ask questions, let alone have the integrity commissioner answer my questions when I can clearly prove with these questions how biased the integrity commissioner is towards me. Well, there, there is a remedy for uh, having a finding of bias. Uh, I invite you to that doesn't help me pay my mortgage I understand that. or my put food on the table for my child and we're coming yeah. up to Christmas. Your, your, your point is uh, of interest, but it's not a point of privilege. So we'll move forward. Councillor uh, 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 Brenner, do you have a motion? 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I wish to move a motion, moved by myself, seconded by Councillor Cook, that the report of the Integrity Commissioner dated October 13, 2023, as contained in Correspondence 30-23, pertaining to Councillor Lisa Robinson, be received, and two, in accordance with the Integrity Commissioner's report recommendations, the salary remuneration paid to Councillor Robinson be suspended for a period of 60 days four pay periods commencing on the next scheduled pay period. Debate. Excuse me, sir. I'd like to call for a recorded vote, please. A recorded vote would be in order. Uh, no debate. Councillor? You, you have five minutes. Well, at least I'm not being silenced to speak to the debate. Today I speak to you with a heavy heart, burdened by an injustice and bullying tactics that have been employed against me by some of my colleagues. It is truly a shame that instead of engaging in a constructive dialogue and debate, they have resorted to defaming my character, spreading misinformation, and attempting to silence me. And now that also goes for you, Mr. Mayor. Let me be clear. Taking my words out of context, and distorting their meaning is not only dishonest, but it is also a disservice to the principles of democracy and to free speech. And it's very disheartening to witness such behavior from individuals who claim to be advocates of inclusivity and acceptance. How can they label me as transphobic or homophobic without even knowing the intricacies of my personal life, my friends, and my acquaintances? What disturbs me most is their unwillingness to engage in a healthy and respectful debate. And instead of addressing my dissenting voice with logical arguments, they have chosen to bully and intimidate me. They have gone as far as filing complaints to the integrity commissioner, as you're all aware in here tonight, jeopardizing my livelihood and causing me to lose my pay for another 60 days. All this simply because I dared to bring forward draft motions that I asked, that I was asked to bring forward that would benefit my constituents. I firmly believe that as elected officials, it is our duty to remain neutral and inclusive in our actions and policies by advocating for changes that allow individuals to choose their gender specific facilities or by seeking age appropriateness for certain events. I'm still striving to protect the rights and well-being of thousands of parents, families, and all citizens in, within our community. Their voices deserve to be heard, and their concerns regarding the innocence and mental health and well-being of their children in schools and public spaces should not be dismissed. I say shame on you, all of you. It is evident that our council is divided with numerous votes resulting in a 6-1 outcome with me being the solitary voice of dissent. Moreover, the biased actions of the integrity commissioner who dismisses legitimate complaints of workplace harassment, violence, and even sexual harassment further exasperate this divide. I have personally experienced derogatory comments, threats, and even physical contact, yet my pleas for justice have fallen on deaf ears. The bias and vindictiveness displayed by certain members of the council are not new. In the past, I have called them out for their wrongdoings, particularly during the challenging times of COVID-19 pandemic. 
which I was manipulated to do by a fellow counselor sitting here against the mayor and against a former counselor who is sitting here in our chambers today. Now they have band together to bully and intimidate me into submission, preventing me from speaking up for you, the constituents, and challenging their initiatives and narratives. I entered politics to put an end to these dirty political games, but it seems that they have just come back to haunt me. It is disheartening to witness the very individuals who should be standing up for justice and fairness, sanctioning a single parent burdened with responsibilities, mortgage payments, and the well-being of her child. Is this the kind of leadership we deserve? I think not. In addition, in addition, it is important to address the issue of members of council and senior members of staff directly and indirectly discouraging me from filing gifts and benefits in my statements of disclosure. This is a concerning breach of ethical and professional conduct. I took it upon myself to bring this matter to the intention of the Integrity Commissioner, along with other members of council and to staff who have received the gifts and benefits but failed to disclose them. And unfortunately, once again, my concerns were dismissed and it became evident that the integrity commissioner displayed biasness against me. This lack of fairness and impartiality undermines the integrity of the entire process. And it is crucial that we rectify the situation to ensure transparency and accountability within our governing body. Ladies and gentlemen, I implore you to join me in condemning these reprehensible actions. Let us demand fairness, respect, and commitment to open dialogue from our elected officials. Together, we can ensure that our voices are heard, our concerns are addressed, and our community is governed by our true leaders of integrity. Furthermore, I want to emphasize that what is being done to me is not only unjust, but also appalling. I wouldn't wish this kind of treatment upon my worst enemy to make them unable to provide food and shelter for their family. It is disheartening to witness the depths to which some individuals are willing to sink in order to silence and intimidate me. This level of vindictiveness and cruelty has no place in our society, let alone in our halls of the government. I denounce all of your behavior for the sake of justice, fairness, and the well-being of all. I am ashamed to be part of this council at this time. We have the great privilege of being joined by the woman in the video that you just watched, uh, the brave uh, and powerful Lisa Robinson, and she's uh, given us some of her time out of her slave labor uh, to to talk to us uh, today about why she is such a very bad, no good counselor. So, Lisa, thank you for taking the time for joining us on the on the Liberty Dispatch. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. Yes, it's it's really great to talk to you, and I'm I'm excited to highlight your story uh, because uh, it's important that people understand what's going on in a city near them. Um, so, Lisa, what pray tell did you do? What evil sin uh, that was unforgivable did you commit that got you suspended? for 60 days this time after you were already suspended for 30 days. Maybe you can bring our listeners up to speed on what was the scenario leading up to uh, that powerful speech that we just heard. Well, I, I have to tell you, you know, I'm a pretty bad person because I believe in neutrality of our government um, elected officials and our government in general. Um, I also believe in, you know, that 
every man, woman, boy, girl have the right to choose whether they want to go to a biological change room or if they want to use the universal change room. Um, also, you know, I, I'm a bad person and, you know, it makes me transphobic and homophobic for both of those reasons, but also because I believe that the drag queen story time that they have going on in our public places, such as our libraries and our schools, or any of our LGBTQ um, plus pride events or parades should be actually age appropriate. So children are learning about nudity and, you know, um, unwanted sexual tensions, let's say, from the way that they um, exhibit themselves within these boundaries. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm a very bad person because of that. And, you know, I find it very, very disconcerting that people think that, you know, it's not being inclusive, wanting to be neutral, or that, you know, protecting the children from, you know, having any kind of more mental disabilities or physical disabilities or anyone, you know, harming them or, you know, watching them they're in their vulnerable spaces. So that seems to make me a very bad person. Obviously, uh, <laughs> you've ran afoul of the commissar in chief here, the integrity commissar. Um, so it's interesting, uh, Lisa, you said in the in uh, on this video outside of the school board that um, the co-ed universal change room gives an opportunity for predators to be alone with vulnerable children, quote unquote. That's what you said. And in a report, the integrity commissar Janice Atwood, she claimed that she found absolutely no allegations of such behavior at Chestnut Hills. But is that true? What evidence do you have uh, to kind of back up your testimony and back up some of the concerns that you're bringing forward to the council and that you think need to be addressed in an appropriate manner? Well, I mean, it definitely needs to be addressed in an appropriate manner, and I do have evidence. Um, the reason why I brought forward that motion in the first place was because um, um, another woman who actually ran as a, a mayoral candidate in the last election, she brought it to my attention that there was a swim meet going on at the, at the recreation center, and there were two young girls that were there for the day, and because you know, if you're not a member who's over the age of 18, you're not allowed to use the, the gender specific um, change rooms, washrooms. You have to use the universal change room or any guests. And it was witnessed that two young girls went in to use the universal change room because that's where they're being forced to go. And they were followed in by an older man who is an actual member of Chestnut Hill. Pickering Recreation Center. So that was the main reason why I was bringing that forward. Um, not to mention, you know, there, the city of Pickering told me there had already been six incidences, but you know, some of them might've been, you know, just, just silly things, right? But, but there have been no charges laid. So because there has been no charges laid, you know, or um, for instance, this particular um, 
this particular um, incident where the, the girls, they didn't want to go and report it because I guess like, you know, they're afraid, they're ashamed, you know, they're embarrassed. Um, because it wasn't reported right away, well, that means that it just didn't happen then. Even though there is evidence to support it, and I even have voicemails, like, you know, of concerned people telling me. And since then, I've received numerous emails from people that have either had similar experiences where they've, I have one, another one where a woman was there with her two-year-old daughter and they were getting changed. And there was an older man right in front of him and like, let's say his tidy whities and you know, they felt it very, very uncomfortable as well. Um, if you look at news clippings, which I guess maybe they don't care about reading about it. I mean, you see this is happening all over the world. You can see just recently at a university, you know, a man was arrested for voyeurism. He was sitting there and he was uh, videotaping girls when they were in the shower and, you know, taking pictures underneath the doors. And when I asked uh, Miss Atwood, our integrity commissioner, you know, I asked her point blank, have you ever been to the Chestnut Hill Development Recreation Center? She could not answer that question because she has never been there. So how do you collect evidence if you don't speak to the people that put in the complaints who gave me the complaints, which, you know, I was giving them, or if you don't actually even visit where all of this takes place, because I can assure you that I can climb underneath those doors at the recreation center, or I can climb right over top. So, you know, they're not like safe and secure doors where they're floor to ceiling where nobody can penetrate them or get under them. So unfortunately, because of that, you know, they're just waiting until something happens to an innocent person, whether it be a child or an adult, to happen before they do any kind of changes. And I find that very sad, you know, that some harm has to come to somebody before they change their policy. And I mean, this policy only mm -hmm. started um, during COVID. So it's not like it's even like, you know, been there for years and years. This is new, but because of COVID, you know, everything has to change. And all of a sudden it doesn't care if a woman feels comfortable in a bathroom or if a child feels comfortable or a man even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much for creating safe spaces, right? We have to create safe spaces on university campuses for adults to avoid microaggressions, but we can't uh, we can't uh, facilitate a safe area for women and children to feel like they're being <laughs> safe in a, in their local pool. Uh, it's it's totally absurd the clown world that we're living in right now that um, these women and girls should feel vulnerable in this space before they're trying to do a recreational activity that they love it is extraordinarily disturbing that we have reached this level and as you say that apparently our our method is well unless of some sort of sexual or physical abuse or real extreme inc incident of voyeurism happens, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to be proactive in creating those spaces. It's totally absurd. And especially, like you said, this sort of stuff's been happening across the world. Uh, you think of Riley Gaines and their situation, a lot that's come out uh, um, about all the ins and outs and how Basically, any of the complaints of these uh, women swimmers were just um, 
totally uh, buried because they wanted this opportunity to uh, put Will Thomas, uh, goes by Leah, um, forward as this wonderful uh, trans icon uh, for sports. And they didn't care what the negative side effects were on the women competing or the women who had to have their voices silent. And I think that's also a very interesting point um, to think about is you're bringing to the council a complaint based off of the complaint of your constituents. What, what does the integrity commissioner, what, what does do your fellow counselors expect you to do when your constituents come to you with an honest, heartfelt complaint is the precedent that's being set is the expectation now on you, Lisa, that you just have to shut up and you just have to bury these complaints. Like help us understand this because it's us. It's you're a public official. We're the public who pays your salary is it not appropriate for you to bring forth public complaints? Well, I thought that's what my job requirement was when, when, you know, when I ran in the election is that, yes, yeah, like, you know, I'm supposed to be the voice of my constituents. So why are they, so to speak, shooting the messenger, right? You know, if, if it's my constituents that want me to bring this forward, I'm doing as they say. And, you know, I don't, I find it very, very disturbing that, you know, my fellow members on council and the mayor wouldn't even give me the time of day to, you know, even let me bring this to the, bring this forward, like, you know, to second the motion for me so we could actually have a debate, bring it to the floor, have a debate, bring it all out in the open and, you know, have a conversation take place around this. But no, they just wanted to shut it down. And the crazy thing is, is like, you know, when I first got elected, because I'm just, it's been a year now since I've been elected. When I first got elected, everyone's like, okay, Lisa, now you got to keep your head down. You know, don't get into anything too controversial because now you got to start thinking about your next election and make sure that you get reelected. So, you know, it, it puts fear in me now thinking that, you know, my fellow counselors, aren't really here for the right reasons. They're not here for the people to to be their voice and to help them and, you know, make policy change, you know, which is why everyone elects different people is to make policy change. It just makes it seem like, you know, they're in it for themselves now. You know, they just care about, you know, their paycheck, not really about uh, caring for the people. Case in point, just the um, Monday night that just passed, I was chairing, um, a planning and development meeting and a constituent reached out to me and they said, you know, sorry, Councillor Robinson, but you know what? We can't make the meeting. Would you please read a letter for us? Because they have this big uh, development, condo development coming up and blocking um, one of the only two exits in and out of a subdivision. And so the whole entire area here is an uproar. So I said, sure, you know what? I'm sorry you can't make it. I'm chairing the meeting. I'll speak to it for you. So I spoke to the city clerk, I brought the, the attention to them, and they said, well, you know, Councillor Robinson, this has never been done before. And I said, okay, so if it's never been done before, but what do the rules say? And they said, well, we can't find anything in the rules that says different. So I said, okay, great. So I read the letter, and then the mayor pretty much chastised me in front of everyone. 
and now is posting on Facebook and that, that I broke the rules, like that, that I think that the rules aren't for me, even though, you know, our deputy city clerk at the time said she couldn't find anything saying that I couldn't do that. So what I had done when he chastised me and he said, you know what, you're not allowed to do this, it's against the rules. Our city um, solicitor came on and he said a couple of words which really were really had nothing to do with the situation either. Like, you know, I didn't say that I could or that I could not. But then I thought, okay, you know what, we'll suspend the rules. So in order to suspend the rules at a meeting, you have to have two thirds majority. So there's seven of us sitting on council. So I asked if we could suspend the rules and we'll vote on it to see if I could read like, you know, a minute and a half letter from my constituents who are extremely concerned with this heartfelt letter that they sent me. Of course, I asked for a recorded vote and four of our councillors said no. So it, it just shows right there. They don't care what what the people have to say or why wouldn't they just wait? Like, you know, and let me speak for a minute and a half, two minutes tops to bring concerns forward for, for a constituent. So once again, that happened. And then, you know, I got some um, text messages yesterday, you know, saying that, uh, they were disappointed in me that, um, you know, that I made a post regarding this and basically how dare I and why do, why am I doubling down on breaking the rules when the first thing I did was check the rules. Yeah, it sounds like there's all sorts of crazy partisan political games that are kind of being played behind the scenes. And as you made mention, you know, the the people who lose in that, well, certainly you are one of them because your pay has been docked. And as you say, you're a single mom who's trying to provide for her family, uh, fulfill her responsibilities. I, I, I honor that and I respect that. And it's also the people. It's also the public, right? We 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 still use the adage that public officials are public servants. Um, but I think, as you've pointed out, and we've talked about many times on the show, it seems like the people who are being served are not the public, but the the people in office themselves. And that idea of servant leadership, of um, of being a representative of the people, a voice for the people in your constituency that takes a backseat to ensuring you're getting elected ensuring that you are checking all the right political boxes or ensuring that you're protecting the special class of uh, super protected people in our culture in our society and everybody else who doesn't fall within those um within those guidelines well they can just take a hike and that's the sad reality of it now one interesting thing I kind of want to ask you uh, before we let you go, because we know you're a busy lady and you've you've had so many emails and, uh, you know, uh, correspondences with people given your circumstances. What's what's the situation for you right now? Because I uh, behind the scenes before we got on here, I asked you a question what are you doing now? Did you get suspended? Did you get censured for the next 60 days? Are you still attending council meetings? What does this whole situation look like practically for, for yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still working, you know, um, just because my, my pay has been suspended doesn't mean that um, I stopped working. When you're a city councillor, really, the only way you can um, stop being a councillor is by three ways. One, if you decide to quit. 
That's one. Two, if you end up in jail, if you're incarcerated. And um, what was the third one? Oh, I just went mind blank for a moment. Oh, if, if you miss um, like three consecutive meetings in a row. So I have to attend all my meetings. And like I said, you know, Monday night, I was just chairing a meeting and like, you know, we were there for hours. You know, my meeting started at two o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't get home until after 11 o'clock at night. So I am working for free, which um, I made reference to being a modern day slave at this point based on, you know, legislation that was just passed in in May saying that a modern day slave has to do with, you know, um, trafficking, it has to do with child labor, and it has to do with people or work who are working with little to no play, which is where I believe I fall in at this time. I'm sure that made everybody happy when you made that reference. No, no. <laughs> there's certain there's certain communities out there that think that, um, they own the term slave and i mean that's very very unfortunate you know so they start playing the victim as well whereas we know slaves have been through all races all religions you know it's not just to one particular group mm -hmm. and you know i implored people like you know just go and read the legislation i mean it just passed in may so you know mm -hmm. you'll, you'll see exactly what it means that there was no slight to any group or because mm -hmm. anyone's color of skin well, we really appreciate you, Lisa, and the bold stands that you're taking. Um, the fact that you are, even at personal cost, willing to be a voice for uh, you, what ostensibly has become voiceless constituents. And we really appreciate that. We think Canada needs more individuals like you, not less. Um, how can people support your um you during this period of uh of work without pay how can they continue to give you support through all uh, navigating this entire situation what are some of the things that our listeners our viewers can do to help you out at this time uh, there's a lot that people can do. I mean, I appreciate the support. You know, I'm getting emails from all across the country and now it's actually starting to go global that people are reaching out to me. Um, so I think that's fantastic because it keeps me motivated, you know, just, you know, people sending me their stories and, you know, the appreciation and like, you know, the heartfelt appreciation, you know, it, it motivates me. It really does. And it keeps me speaking up. Um, but I promised everybody that, you know what, I will never stop speaking up because, I mean, I know what I'm doing is right and I'm always going to stand on the side of right. So I love that. Um, I like having my story told. So anything you can do, like, you know, to share my Twitter accounts or my Facebook accounts where I'm speaking out just so more people are aware of what's happening because people don't see what's really happening behind the scenes. And, um, my Twitter account is Life Liberty Lisa, so it's pretty easy to find me there. And then, if you want my email address, I can always be reached at lrobinson at pickering.ca or on my personal email at Life Liberty and Lisa, which is spelled out A N D, um, Lisa. I also have a Give Send Go um, page that uh, some constituents had started for me, which has been great because. You know, when all of this happened, when my first 30-day suspension happened, I, I missed my mortgage payment. 
uh, I just I just couldn't pay it. So I'm very thankful that you know people have been reaching out and helping support me while I'm while I'm standing up and speaking for them. And then you know I'm also just filed. I think it was at the beginning of the week on the seventh. Just filed with a lawyer to take this up for judicial review because you know it was biased. The whole entire report um, from the integrity commissioner is based on double hearsay. My colleagues that put the report in against me, they weren't even there that night that I, I spoke at the DDSB, which makes the whole entire report double hearsay. And then it also makes it um, the, the, integrity's commercial, uh, the integrity commissioner's point of view and her own personal opinions. None of it is based on fact. And there's no evidence of me being transphobic or homophobic or anything like that. I mean, I even said in my speech is at, you know, at City Hall in Chambers there, like, you know, I support the LGBTQ plus community. But um, they just find a way to change the words around and, you know, just uh, start name calling. And so that's just a problem that I'm having. Once all this is over and, you know, my name has been cleared, you know, I think I deserve a really good apology from the city of Pickering and from my colleagues for what they have done to me. And, you know, there needs to be some kind of retribution for sure. And, um, you know, I just I'm very, very thankful very, very thankful for everybody who has been giving me the opportunity to speak, such as yourself. Thank you. And for all the constituents for, as I said, their words of encouragement and motivation. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely blessed. I find this as a blessing and that, you know, I was put in this position for the reason because I do stand up and, you know, you see a lot of people, they start cracking under pressure, they get silenced, you know, they have thoughts of, you know, not nice thoughts because they can't handle it mentally or physically. And to me, you know, this is just making me stronger and stronger each and every day. So I will never give up this fight. Yeah, well, we appreciate, uh, obviously, your resolve in this issue. You're a pit bull, and that's that's great that we, we need more of those uh, uh, in politics, especially when they are standing for what is right and good and, and representing the voice of the, uh, their constituents. I think that's great, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story with us. Let us know if you need anything, any more help in any ways, and we will be sure to link in the description below just so everybody knows all that contact information that you said as well as the give send go and if you would please uh help lisa at this time just a little bit of money from a lot of people goes a long way so we'd appreciate yeah. you doing that thanks so much lisa for coming Thank on you so much. i'll see you soon yes if you feel that big government and banks are too involved in your finances bitcoin is the solution for you Bitcoin is the antithesis of central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. It is decentralized digital cash that puts you in full control of your money. With Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about government interference or banks censoring you in any way. As a freedom advocate, you know the importance of individual liberty and responsibility. Bitcoin is the ultimate expression of those values, enabling you to take control of your financial destiny and make transactions that align with your beliefs. So whether you're an experienced Bitcoiner or just getting started, Bull Bitcoin is the perfect place to buy and sell Bitcoin in Canada. Don't wait any longer to take control of your money. Sign up today using our link, 
mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. And don't hesitate to contact their human support for any assistance from the get-go. mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. So with 50-year-old men engaged in swimming competitions with teenage girls, city councillors getting their pay suspended because they dare question the woke narrative, I think there's a question we have to ask ourselves. The question is, what is a Christian to do in these rather tumultuous times in our country? I mean, how can we be faithful when it's clearly so difficult and so costly, even for the non-Christians who speak against the narrative, even they come under the wrath of the false gods of transianity. So what about the believer who's hated doubly because of their allegiance to Christ? Right? How can we be faithful and actually serve and honor Christ when sexual madness is so pervasive in our country, as our few stories we've covered today make clear? So to help us answer these questions, I thought it would be really good to bring on a friend, as well as discuss an upcoming event that I think will be quite helpful in answering some of these very same questions and helping us understand what faithfulness looks like for the Christian in Canada. So we are pleased to have with us on the dispatch, Pastor Nate Wright. We are pleased to have with us on the dispatch, Pastor Nate Wright. Nate is the relatively newly minted Canadian director of the Ezra Institute. He's also the senior pastor at Crossroads Bible Church in Ingersoll, Ontario. Nate's a Christian leader, theologian, and cultural apologist, and has worked in Christian ministry and church leadership in Canada for over 15 years. He hosts the Rebel Podcast on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. If you don't listen to the show, you definitely should, and all the Canadian content on the FLF Canada Network. Amen. Uh, Nate has had numerous opportunities to speak in churches and conferences in Canada, including a conference we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. He and his wife, Colleen, have three children with a fourth one on the way. Brother, it's good to have you on the dispatch. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's been uh, it's been nice. I'm a fan of uh, what you guys are doing. I'm a listener, so uh, first time on. I know, Andrew, you and I have done a lot together, conferences, podcasts, all kinds of stuff. Matthew, our paths have crossed a few times, but this is the first time we've ever gotten to uh, actually do a little bit of ministry together. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, we're excited to have you on and thanks for listening. So help us kind of get into this topic. Uh, today on the program, we've been talking about this insane, radical death cult, uh, sex cult as well. And we're it, it really appears that in Canada, we've been totally given over to, to sexual deviancy. We have have all manner of wickedness happening uh, publicly in our nation. It's celebrated, it's promoted, it's legislated, but not only is it legislated, it is, uh, any opposition to it is legislated against, we're seeing. So kind of help us get a high level 3,000 feet in the air kind of view of what Christians should be thinking about all of this, what worldview pieces need to be in place for us to understand and to confront these issues and do it with integrity and godliness. Help us understand that. Yeah, um, well, I mean, you set it up quite well. I mean, it, it's it's one thing just to have people within the nation and even a large number of people within the nation who are um, sexual deviants, who are sinning in sexual ways. Uh, it's quite another to have their um, sexual deviancy enshrined and protected uh, uh, through legislation. 
And, uh, and I, I'm sure you guys have touched on this many times, but for me as a pastor who, who preaches each and every Sunday from the pulpit and who does counseling each and every week in my office, um, it is illegal for me to um, preach a biblical sexual ethic and to uh, encourage believers uh, who come into my office to live according to God's sexual ethic. So like that's where we are in Canada, where, where uh, regular, faithful, pastoral preaching and counseling is actually illegal. So you ask, you know, what worldview pieces are in places, need to be in place as Christians think through this. Well, first of all, what we have to, we have to banish from our thinking any concept of neutrality. And you guys talk about this a lot. I, I think a lot of Christians are still caught in this idea that there are neutral spaces in our culture, in our nation, um, ideologically. Um, and, and I think what people are seeing, people think that things are crazy right now. Uh, if you talk to anybody, whether they're Christian, whether they're Muslim, whether they're agnostic, atheist, um, they would tell you that culture has kind of gone nuts and there's a lot of division in culture right now. And they're, they're right, of course, but what they would think wrongly is that this is new, that from from an outsider's perspective, for anybody who's paying attention, it seems as though neutral spaces have been eradicated. So things like sports, where, you know, a, a Maple Leafs fan, you know, and uh, a couple of Maple Leafs fans, even though they might be um, one be conservative and one be liberal, could sit down and watch a hockey game together. But that's no, no longer the case, because there are um, Pride Nights, and there's rainbow hockey tape, and there's uh, announcements over the PA system about, um, you know, uh, uh, acknowledging, you know, the land, the Aboriginal land that they're, you know, holding this on. There's everything has become politicized. It used to be that whether it was theater, whether it was art, whether it was um, film, whether it was, you know, Hollywood award shows, whether it was sports, there seemed to be neutral spaces, and those have all kind of gone away. But I think for any anybody with a biblical worldview understands that there is actually no neutrality. And what we have seen is not the eradication of neutral spaces, but the lifting of the veil. Right. So now now what we see is that those places that we thought were neutral have revealed themselves to be the non-neutral space they always were. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the first thing to recognize that there's no neutrality. And so. Christians who try to be neutral in their workplace, right, try to be neutral in their neighborhoods, send kids off to school to be neutral. Um, I, I think that's a, that what you're doing is you're setting yourself, your family and your your ministry and witness up to fail because you're wrongly thinking through what culture is. Culture is, Cornelius Van Til said, uh, religion externalized. So what we're seeing in the culture and the degradation of culture and the over sexualization and the sexual deviancy in our culture is um, the religion of the people externalized. And so what we're seeing is we're just now down decades downstream from a nation that has rejected God, rejected his truth, rejected his word. And now we are we are living under the regime of the children who have been raised by those who rejected God's law. And uh, and so what we're seeing is just the religion of the people externalized, and which means that what Christians ought to do is recognize that the more on display their own religion is in every sphere is how we combat, you know, a cultural deviancy. So it's um, there's a lot going on. And um, and I think now is is not a time for timid Christianity in Canada. 
So just to just to recap some of those pieces, number one, there really are no such things as neutral spaces where we can park our religious beliefs and set them aside just to get along well. Number two, quite to the opposite of that, um, all culture is deeply religious and religious systems pervade every culture, every country, and Christians would do wise, be wise to realize that that's the world we live in. Is that a fair, yeah, fair summary of your, what you said? Absolutely. And it, I think that when, when we think through some of these crazy laws that are protecting, enshrining, legislating, um, legislating compliance, uh, legislating tolerance to uh, what the Bible would call sin, we have to remember that what we're dealing with, and this is where this is all downstream from the idea that A, there's no neutrality and B, everything is religious. Um, what we're dealing with is blasphemy laws, right? Every culture is going to have blasphemy laws because there's a God of every system. So again, this comes down to that idea of no neutrality. It's not whether, you know, uh, morality will be legislated in a nation. It's which morality will be mm -hmm. legislated. It's not whether a nation will be a theocracy. It's what is the theos? What is the God of that culture? So right now we live in a, we live in a culture where secular humanism is the state religion um, mankind and his pursuit of unbounded, unfettered pleasure and self-actualization uh, is, the, is the highest goal, the highest virtue. And so when we see things like Bill C-4, what we're seeing is blasphemy laws. Thou shalt not speak against the God of the system. Thou shalt not speak against the virtues, the Ten Commandments of the God of this system. And, uh, and that's where we are in Canada. So this this kind of multi-head monster if you will of secular humanism we can throw in there some postmodern neo-marxism throw right. in there a little bit of uh status scientism this pervades canadian culture yeah so it still blows my mind that you have parents knowing that the education the entire education industrial complex is captured yeah. and it's 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 been thoroughly compromised then you still have Christian parents who are sending their kids to state-funded Marxist indoctrination centers. Now, I've yeah. gone as far as to say, and th this is just me, I've gone as far as to say that I think that continuing to do that is tantamount to offering your children upon the altar of cultural Molech so you yeah. can have an abundant standard of living. So with everything going on in schools, Nate, school boards, even city councils, what is your pastoral counsel to parents? Um, and maybe bring it a little bit home. How do the families at Crossroads Bible Church respond to what's happening in our culture? How do they navigate the fact that, you know, in all spheres, but specifically, let's think about education, it is it is captured entirely by a woke ideology? Yeah, well, that's a, I mean, that's a big question. So just to be explicit in my response right off the bat is I regularly say from the pulpit, that um, public education is no longer a faithful choice for Christians. It used to be that like 50 years ago, there was this debate between home, home school, you know, private school, public school. And, and though I, I don't think the public school advocates had much of a leg to stand on in terms of biblically, if we understand sphere sovereignty, we understand how God delegates his authority and that he gives particular responsibilities to particular spheres. That within the pages of scripture, education is always, education is never separated from discipleship. It's the same thing. And discipleship and education of children is always given either to the church or to uh, primarily to parents. 
So I, I don't think they ever had much of a leg to stand on, but certainly as we've seen, and, and I like the language that you use, uh, the public education is, is, is a completely captured area. It's enemy ground. And it, it would be it would be similar nowadays, and, and I, I don't say this for shock value. It would be it would be similar to sending your kids to concentration camps in Germany, um, because you are sending your kids to a spiritual death. And um, and so and, and of course we all believe in God's sovereignty and salvation and all that kind of stuff, the preservation of the saints. But God always uses means, and the primary means that God uses to uh, raise new believers. Um, and image bearers is by giving them Christian parents who are going to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So I would say, first and foremost, Christians ought to be pulling their kids from the education system. They ought to be um, praying for the fall and destruction of the public education system. And they ought to be working towards um, politically uh, tax reform that would see their tax money returned um, if they don't use the um, public public system. So those are three things that, that we are constantly saying at Crossroads. To kind of get maybe a little bit deeper, um, you asked the question, how are Christian families at Crossroads responding to all of this? And what I've said is that we are, because of how far our nation has fallen in this in this particular regard, and, and Matt did a good job of summarizing it at the, st at the start of our interview, is um, we have to think that we are, we are now living in Sodom, right? Like we are, we are Abraham, living next to Sodom. And um, there are two things that can happen here is either God will relent because of the righteous in, in Canada, or God will rescue the righteous and still rain destruction down on our nation. We're in that we're, we're in, we're past the part of no return in terms of like the, the high wickedness must now be punished. So it's just a matter of how God is going to go about judging that. So what I say to the Christians at my church is that you need to make sure that your family is as insulated from the blast radius of whatever is coming against, you know, from the God of heaven against Canada, which means that your kids ought to not be in public schools. Um, your, your livelihood and dependence ought not to be on some of these godless um, corporations. Uh, you ought not to be working for the federal government um, and, and these kinds of things. And I, I think we really are at that point in Canada where Christians ought to be as uh, blast-proof as they can be. Protect your family from the judgment that's going to come, which means that you ought to um, you ought to have a plan when um, food prices soar. Um, you ought to be building a, a, a strong home where at least some of your sustenance is, is able to be um, cultivated yourself. You ought to have um, people who you know who can help you uh, get with whether it's food, whether it's shelter, all those kinds of things. We, we really are in a, in a space where Christians ought to be thinking through the strong community of the church ought to be now a shelter to help Christians who are w wanting to um, fireproof their family um, from the residual blast radius of whatever, however God judges our nation. Yeah, well said, well said. That's so important. And it's so appropriate for you to obviously look at historical uh, instances in the scriptures where we see this type of behavior playing out, because that's what God uses history as, right? As a teaching yeah. tool for his people that they might be able to understand where they are in his bigger story and act accordingly. So that's really helpful. Um, Nate, tell us a little bit about the upcoming Mission uh, of God conference and why this matters, uh, why a lot of what we're talking about is 
is taught at a deeper level there and why Christians of all ages and stages of life should con uh, consider attending this, this conference? Um, yeah, so we have, um, we have two conferences coming up. Um, it's our annual Mission of God uh, conference. Um, but uh, we have one in Windsor, Ontario, and that's uh, on December 2nd. And we have one uh, in Calgary uh, at Fairview Baptist Church, which is um, Tim Stevens Church. So we have Aaron Rock's Church in Windsor, Harvest Windsor, uh, on December 2nd. And on December 9th, it's at Tim Stevens Church in Fairview at Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary. Um, the theme of the conference is redeeming sexuality. Um, so it's uh, it's really it's about Christianity, identity and trans ideology and how um, how to think through these these topics. Obviously, um, no matter what kind of a Christian you are, and by that, I mean, whatever you, you do vocationally, uh, whether you are a pastor, an elder, a church leader, um, if you are a business owner, if you are somebody who is working in some wing of government. Um, if you are a, a small group leader, if you are a parent, um, there is no one now uh, that has not been touched by the high sexual sin that's going on in our culture around us. I, I, I counsel parents who came to faith late in life or who sent their kids to the public school system and have made mistakes or, or just through various uh, things whose kids are struggling with this, whose best friends are struggling with this. Uh, we have uh, uh, somebody in our church who's, um, uh, who became a, a believer. Parents started coming to the church. They became a believer. Younger, younger brother uh, is, uh, is confused in terms of sexual identity and all that kind of stuff. So whether you are a parent who's fig trying to figure out how to, how to love your confused kids whether you are a uh, Christian who's wondering how to deal with your your gay nephew or your gay sister-in-law or whatever the case is, um, this is going to be a great conference for you to. Number one, I think we we because of because we are chronological snobs, as C.S. Lewis would say, and we always think that our time and place in history is the most important time and place in the history of of anything. Um, we seem to think that all this is brand new. And, and I think one of the things that's been helpful is, is looking into, like, if you look at um, the, uh, the Old Testament and you look at some of the reforms that take place and you, you read about Moloch um, is somebody that uh, Andrew referenced earlier. And Moloch was a, a, a god that, uh, um, a demon god of the Old Testament that uh, the pagans sacrificed their children to. And, and if we look at that and we recognize that these, um, these beings... Um, are immortal, um, evil, spiritual principalities that have um, always been opposed to God's plan in the world. It should mean it, it should not be a surprise to Christians that Moloch is still very much alive and active in North America, and the um, the cult of death um, surrounding abortion and infanticide is uh, is just a, another outplaying of that. But we can look at the same thing with all this LGBT craze. Um, Asherah is a goddess who is mentioned in the uh, Old Testament narrative. Asherah is, uh, is uh, connected to um, Ashtaroth or uh, Venus. And, uh, and this is a, a, a demon god who, um, in, even back in, in the time of uh, the, the Second Temple, um, there are pagans who were worshipping her through um, castrated or uh, transsexual priests who would uh, throw parades for her in the month of June. 
um, and uh, all of the priests of uh, Ashera were transvestites. And so none of this is new. And, and, and I say that simply because if we know our history, we recognize that God's people have always been called to preach a biblical sexual ethic to a culture that wanted to follow um, their own lusts, their own sinful desires, um, the demon gods of the nations around them. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's, it's helpful for us to know that history gives us some answers. And um, whether it's the Puritans, the Reformers, um, many people throughout church history, they've, they've dealt with this before. And, and some of the ideology that's, com that's confronting us uh, it's just recycled paganism. Like it's not, it's not like Justin Trudeau and, and the, uh, you know, um, the, the most recent, um, you know, sexual uh, doctorates have come up with some crazy new Gnosticism is an ancient heresy and transgenderism as <laughs> is, is absolutely just Gnosticism repackaged. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's this idea that, that mankind is, is not a soul and body combination but that we are somehow immaterial, trapped in the material, and and we can liberate, and the two can be at odds with one another, and so you can you can be a a, a boy spirit trapped in a girl's body. It's all just Gnosticism, mm -hmm. and so the whole point of this conference is to help you understand some of the root causes of this systemic unbelief and and rebellion against God, and to equip you not only with the knowledge of um, the, the the biblical sexual ethic. But also to encourage you, what does it look like for you to live with a robust sexual ethic in the spheres around you? What does Christian faithfulness look like for the accountant who's working a, uh, you know, a, a nine to five, who's told that he has to wear purple on Fridays in support of the LGBT community, all the way to you know, the pastor who's trying to figure out how to faithfully navigate Bill C4? Um, and asking the question, should I post my sermons online or should I just preach them to my own people and not put them online? And my answer to that is put them online. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, the, the, the whole point of this conference is to help equip everybody who comes with the understanding of where this stuff comes from, the understanding that there is no neutrality and that the Bible has spoken and church history has spoken specifically and directly to what Christians should be doing now. Yeah. So Mission of God East is December 2nd in Windsor, Ontario. Mission of God West is December 9th in uh, Calgary, Alberta. Nate, where can people go to register, uh, sign up, and just find more information about Ezra Institute, what you guys are doing, events you're running, resources? Where can you direct people? Um, the best place to go is just EzraInstitute.com. Um, we have uh, kind of three branches. Um, we have, uh, we're in the U.S., we're in the U.K., and we're in Canada. I'm the Canadian director, so these are both uh, Canadian conferences. But uh, at EzraInstitute.com, you can see everything that's going on, all the resources we have, lots of articles, lots of lectures, um, lots of uh, podcasts and those kinds of things. Um, these conferences that we put on are fantastic. They'll, they'll equip you for sure. Um, sort of the bread and butter of our ministry and what I'm most passionate about is the immersive training program. So we do this for cultural leaders, for pastors, for business leaders, for youth. Uh, we have these immersive programs where you come for a week and you get completely saturated with a Christian worldview um, for the particular vocation or the, the um, phase of life that you're in. Uh, and you can find all that at isrinstitute.com. If you just go down to training programs, you can see all of those. And also in there is the, uh, the Mission of God link. And that's where you can sign up. And I will just say specifically for um, church leaders, 
on the Friday night before each conference, there's a, um, a, a free event. So if you're coming into town, you're staying over at a hotel or whatever anyway, come to the free event on the Friday. Um, and it's going to be sort of a Q&A specifically directed, uh, a little bit of teaching, and then a Q&A specifically directed to church leaders. And we'll talk a little bit about Bill C4 in particular, how to navigate what churches should be doing, um, how to set up biblical counseling in this area, um, how to... Um, how to support families with the loved ones who are going through some of this craziness um, and, uh, and how to do so in a faithful but loving way. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Well, we are so thankful, obviously, for you, our dear brothers at the Ezra Institute. We've been implicated together in the grand scheme of nas- <laughs> uh, Christian nationalist Christian uh, yeah, takeover so. of Canada. Um, but we, we can't uh, think of better people to be in the trenches with, Nate. So we um, are so excited for your new position there and uh, for all the work that you're doing there and also at your own church, uh, which I know the Lord's blessed and it's growing and it's it's uh, bearing great fruit. So we love you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the program. And uh, hopefully everybody who is listening will go check out those conferences uh, in a place near them. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you were inspired by the wise words of Nate Wright, um, pastor at Crossroads uh, Church there in Ingersoll. And we hope you were inspired by the brave stance of Counselor Lisa Robinson. Uh, It turns out if you stand on principle, if you push back against the woke mob, against the Rainbow Mafia and their incessant push to colonize everything under their new rainbow butt banner you can get some support and you can begin to win some cultural battles even at great personal price so we would hope that you our dear listeners would be encouraged by these stories and be principled enough to stand in this time till next time galatians 5 1 Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.